markets globally are on tenterhooks this morning, waiting for US inflation data tonight and a Fed decision early on Thursday morning. But the yen and Japanese interest rates are falling this morning because views about a rate hike by the Bank of Japan next week, they're evaporating. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in part two of our bonus deep dive interview on Australia's amazing housing market with ANZ senior economist Adelaide Timbrell, she explains the high demand from rental property investors. These are the people with more cash, more wealth, maybe some superannuation money that they want to filter into property. And that has been what's driving demand more than a lift in owner-occupier lending. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ. Markets were mixed overnight with investors and traders on the sidelines mostly, waiting for US CPI figures tonight and the Fed on Thursday morning, Sydney, Melbourne time. The one mover was the yen because of a fall in Japanese bond yields. There was talk last week the Bank of Japan could hike its policy rate back to, wait for it, zero from minus 0.1%, but that talk has reversed overnight. That boosted the Nikkei 1.5%. More on that later, but as of 5am Sydney Melbourne time, the yen was down sharply at 146 US dollar from 144 12 or so hours ago. The US dollar strength was seen also in slightly weaker Aussie and Kiwi dollars this morning. The Aussie at 65.60 US cents as of 5am Sydney Melbourne time. The Kiwi at 61.18 US cents. The US 10-year yield is up three basis points at 4.28%. Gold is a loser there because of those higher US yields. It fell 1% overnight to $1,995.20 US an ounce. Oil down 0.3%. Number two, there was a burst of speculation late last week that the Bank of Japan may be preparing to exit its negative rate strategy as soon as next week. ANZ's head of FX strategy, Marja Benzaman, is sceptical though, given how little real wage growth there has been in Japan. She also points out Japanese markets can be quite volatile at this time of the year, and she reminds us what happened almost exactly a year ago. The last time we had a big surprise by the bodge was December 2022. This was when they announced the first tweak to YCC. It could be that markets are now expecting another surprise uh, this December. You know, the window of opportunity for the bodge to exit negative rates is quite small. Uh, They may want to do this ahead of Fed beginning its rate cuts, but economic fundamentals are really not supportive. So all in all, um, assuming there's no major surprise at the bodge meeting next week, we think dollar-yen will consolidate at 145 into year-end and gradually move lower next year. Number three, all eyes in global currency, bond and stock markets this week are on the Fed on Thursday morning, Sydney, Melbourne time. Here's Marja Bean on what she's looking for. Most of the focus from my side or from our side will really be on Powell's commentary, um, given that we have the CPI well before the Fed meeting. And also, more importantly, um, if and how much he pushes back on financial conditions. Now, we know that financial conditions have been loser over the last couple of weeks. You know, mortgage rates in the U.S. are down from early November. And it will be really interesting to see how much he pushes back on that or if he doesn't. Um, Broadly, we think that probably he's going to maintain a bit of a hawkish bias. Number four. As ever, says Marja Bean, it's all about the dot plot. That's the Fed's projections of what FOMC members are saying about the Fed's funds rate over the next couple of years. 
Look, currently, based on uh, the previous forecast, the Fed has penciled in 50 basis points of rate cuts in 2024. There is a likelihood that this could increase to 75 instead. But, you know, when we compare that to what the market is pricing, you know, even after the stronger jobs data that we got on Friday, market still pricing around 100, over 100 basis points of rate cuts in 2024. So I don't think that's really going to shift much. It's only for the Fed really to catch up with market expectations rather than the other way around. Number five, the big number to watch tonight is US CPI, in particular core CPI. That's seen coming in at 0.3% for the month of November and 4% for the year. Remember, that's still double where the Fed needs it to be. That will give the Fed plenty of ammunition to push back on Thursday morning at current market expectations of 100 basis points of cuts next year, starting in May. Here's ANZ Head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin. I don't think the conditions, therefore, are in place for the market to be anticipating rate cuts as early as May. Based on my calculations, it could be much closer to the middle of summer or possibly late summer that you've had sufficient improvement in inflation for the Fed to be really confident uh, that they've won the battle. Brian Martin there. Now, in part two of our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ Australia's senior economist, Adelaide Timbrell, explains why house prices are expected to rise another 6% in 2024, then 5 more percent in 2025, and that's after rising 10% this year. We also know housing prices will be going up through 2024 and 2025, partly as real incomes grow. So there'll be a bit more borrowing capacity as finally our incomes and base wages start to outpace inflation. And then from late 2024, interest rates start to drop, which supports borrowing capacity as well. Could you talk a bit more about this closing of the gap between values to income ratios in the capital cities and in the regions? What's going on there? So, buying a home in regional Australia has generally been considered the cheaper option for the average Australian resident. When you look at the median income for someone in regional Australia and the median home value, that home value is fewer years worth of income compared to a capital city. Now, since 2020, there's been a real reset. So, capital city housing prices have uh, gone up by about 29% since COVID, whereas regional housing, so housing anywhere other than a capital city, has lifted 47%. And what that's done is it's taken away that difference in how far the median income can get you in terms of an actual home. So rather than regional areas having generally a more affordable ratio between the value of the home and the median income or the you know years to save a deposit, that's all really converged now. And so capital cities and regions, the only difference is that a regional area is more likely to have a lower median income and a lower median home price, but the ratio between the two are almost identical now after being quite different for the 10 years before COVID. And just looking further out uh, into 2025, when uh, interest rates uh, are in theory uh, expected to start falling, uh, how might that affect uh, house prices? Because there's still going to be those shortages of supply, but in theory, a bit more capacity to, to borrow as interest rates fall. 
Yeah, so part of the reason that we expect housing price growth through 2024 and 2025 is a support of real income growth and borrowing capacity from low interest rates as well. So it's not just about the supply imbalance, although I'd say that's the most important factor right now for housing prices, but it also helps that there will be people who have more borrowing capacity, particularly through 2025 as interest rates start to fall. A lot of what's driving the market at the moment though are investors they're less likely to be you know hampered by borrowing capacity and we know even for owner occupiers many of them don't come within 20 percent of their overall borrowing capacity anyway but investors in particular we're seeing that really driving the growth these are the people with more cash more wealth maybe some superannuation money that they want to filter into property and that has been what's driving demand more than a lift in owner occupier lending well we're seeing in owner occupier lending too is that although average mortgages have fallen, they're still very elevated. We haven't seen a big fall in the amount that people are borrowing. It's probably just that there are fewer people borrowing rather than the average person borrowing far less. So it's more about people being a little more locked out of the market or not finding what they want rather than uh, an interest rate challenge right now, which is surprising given how much interest rates have risen over the past 18 months. ANZ's Adelaide Timberley. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Tuesday, December the 12th. Look out tomorrow for the latest on US inflation and also on Australian Business Confidence with the NAB survey out later this morning. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.